0: Welcome back to the Unending TBR Podcast. It's me again, Nicole. And today I have a very special author interview that I cannot wait to share with you. Let's get right to it. So I am here back with somebody returning from, this is probably... You were probably my first author interview back in the beginning, and I want to welcome back to the show, Christy Ann Hunter. Thank you for coming back,
1: Christy. Thank you for having me. I'm sure that you're much more relaxed now. I remember the last time we talked, you were like, I think I'm doing this right. I think I can edit this. And I'm like, you're fine.
0: Well, and I mean, I was like very much, you know, yeah, an, an, a newbie and... It was Christiane Hunter, people. So, I mean, it was kind of like, I was like, how do I handle myself? So, yes, she was very gracious. You did and,
1: great. And you're now you're a seasoned professional, so.
0: Professional, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a very professional hobby. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, tell me about how your storytelling journey has brought you from writing multiple Regency series to now self-publishing your very own wrong com.
1: So the interesting thing is from the beginning of my writing career, I eventually always wanted to get to the point where I was doing both Regencies and Contemporaries because okay. that's what I love. I love those are my two go-to genres. I love them both. Mm-hmm. Um and I find that I feel like there's a lot of similarities in them because Regency, the reason I like Regency is because it's everything was changing and there was this whole dynamic of of newness to it and possibility to it and when you're in contemporary you're in the moment of I don't know what's coming in the future you can make yeah. you can head in any direction you want so there's a similarity to um to me um so I've always wanted to be dipping a finger in both of those <laughs> of those areas um and when I did change gears into going to a self-publishing career, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed like the perfect time to just kind of explore a little bit. Um, it was also kind of just a, a palate cleanser for me yeah. to just take a, few, take a few months and do something fresh and new and um, easier in some ways in that it's a lot easier to research contemporary because you can just go find somebody who works in a museum or go find somebody who paints, or, you know, you can go find these people because they exist, you know, just out there on the internet and Mm -hmm. you can go find them. And it was, it was a nice break for me um, just kind of to uh, relax and and focus on flexing a few different muscles, uh, writing muscles.
0: That is really cool. I know that. Well, I remember, I feel like I don't remember if it was in a reel that you posted a while ago or something and how you mentioned it even having like fantasy, um, fantasy book ideas, you know, and it's just like, I, that was kind of like, I feel like so many things is like, you can kind of categorize an author that writes certain things. They like belong to that genre. So, I mean, that was, that's how it was in my head, but, um, what do you feel are some hidden pros and cons for an author to be categorized by that genre that they write? Like, do you feel that way? Or do you feel accepted by coming into
1: this new well, venture? Well, I think that there's, when when you have like a category you're known for, um, so like Regency, you know, then you can become somebody's like go-to for like, hey, when you're talking yeah. about books, hey, you're looking for a Regency book? Oh, this author. You know, you yeah. can become somebody's kind of go-to for that genre. You can kind of become known for it, and there are pluses to that. You know, to make a name for yourself and being very niche. Excuse me, <clears throat> sorry. Um, there's a there's some pros to being very niche like that, mm-hmm. but um, I think that there's also as an author in a rut, and I think even as a reader, I can I find I get in ruts so of I'm like I'm reading a certain type of book. When I'm yeah. like stuck in reading that certain type of book. And and so you you get to feeling the sameness to it. You you start feeling the same thing. And especially like if you find an author and you love them and you binge read them, yeah. you will find certain phrases that they use all the time, and you'll find certain like little things that they pull out all the time. And
0: well, it came out of the same brain, right? Like it's like <laughs> it's in their brain. They have each reader a yes. writer
1: has. A distinct voice so yeah yes and so when they're writing you know these are months apart it feels mm-hmm. like a fresh sentence to them but if you are binge reading and you just read the previous book you know it, it was I think it was about my fifth or sixth book I had a friend ask me like do you realize that somebody is always popping bread in their mouths in your book <laughs> <laughs> I, I do that but now I do so now I put it in as an Easter egg, I deliberately, um, ah, <laughs> it became now it was, your now
0: signature.
1: <laughs> now it's a joke, but, um, I think that there's that, that con of being, becoming stuck and, and also limiting your readership. But mm. I found like when I'm writing, because I do have so many different ideas for different things that will probably never happen because there's only so much time in a day. Yeah. Um, but the the essence of how I write and the types of stories I write, that's the same. It's just with different settings and different twists and different characters and different things like that. Yeah. So um, I still feel like I'm writing my books. I'm still writing a Christiane Hunter book, um, even though it's got a lot of differences to it. And um, so hopefully I'll become more known for the story and not mm-hmm. the setting
0: Ah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I like that. I it was kind of um, exciting to see. So, what specifically inspired Pixels and Paint? Your US one.
1: So, Pixels and Paint is kind of looking at this meshing of the very logical, technical world and the very well-known creative side of an artistic world, and and looking at how that blends and. That was sort of born out of my life. I, I live in that juncture um, as a writer, as a creative, you know, it's considered a creative profession. You know, I have a bit of that artsiness of like looking at the world differently or or trying to, to pull out some, some different things uh, that you see and pull out the world. Um, but I also, I have a degree in computer science by- education and by my early career, I am a software engineer. Um and so I also am very in I, I'm very logical. I am married to a mechanical engineer um and physics, a physicist, physicist. I can't say that word. Um, you know, so logic is very prevalent in our world and in, in my yeah. world in my house. Um, but so is the idea of like this art idea of looking at the world slightly differently, which is kind of what art is supposed to do. And yeah, and it's a very weird place to live, Um, like having a leg in both of those. And so I wanted to share that idea of that balance of trying to live in these multiple places that, that it does work. It can blend because I think yeah. so often we feel like you must be this one thing. You must fit in this box, and mm-hmm. I don't fit in that box. And so that- you don't just
0: fit in the the Regency box. You don't just fit in this. Well, I mean, well, people are yeah, multidimensional. I don't
1: fit yeah, in the box. I don't fit in just the technical box. I don't fit in the artsy yeah. box. You know, and and just looking at how those worlds can blend um, is how is where this book came from.
0: That is great. I know. I think sometimes we compartmentalize too much, especially people, right? So um, what was something that surprised you about now writing in the contemporary modern world?
1: Something that surprised me, um, I Did think anything? it was, uh, well, I think, well, some, a lot of it was, there were some things I was expecting to be easier and they mm-hmm. were, you know, to be able to find someone in research and, and just be able to ask questions on Instagram's like, hey, know somebody who does this that can answer a question for me you know to be able to just throw that out there um and that was easier and I was expecting that but I think what surprised me um actually came when in when I started doing like beta reads and working with editors and things and that was the wide variety of like pop culture and um and even like localized culture like just knowing because the book is set, um, in a, in some fictitious suburbs of Atlanta. And so, you know, I'm writing from a Southern perspective and Southern culture and, and that kind of thing, as far as like the words we use and the phrases yeah. we use and things. And my editor, um, is from Minnesota. <laughs> and some of the, She's like, she's like, is this a, is this a phrase? You know or <laughs>
0: was or this I a typo would, or is this a phrase <laughs> yeah
1: or or i would reference like i referenced it i referenced a tv show in it and I, I tried to keep like that kind of reference to a minimum yeah. but to me i thought this was a, a widely popular enough tv show that i could reference it and it, it made me laugh um and she was like i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> I think there's certain things that I thought were a little bit more universal um, from a contemporary perspective, because when we write Regency, there is this fictional Regency world we have created as authors uh, collectively, um, and we all use it. Yeah. And so we all use these phrases and these things, some of which are not actually historically accurate, but we've just decided they belong in fictional Regency world and we all use that so there is this accepted expected culture yeah regions that was that's just around the world around the globe um and the contemporary doesn't have that it's
0: very true i didn't like not think of that yeah it's like hmm that's, really, that's a really interesting thing. I did not think. I have heard though that they say it's like the pop culture references to like using sparingly because it can like change so quick or age, and it's like, man, that's gotta be it's gonna be tough to keep up. I, I can't and keep up. With I
1: it. I try to keep them to a minimum, and such that you can know what it means and just gloss mm. over it. No, um, but I was ref- I was referencing Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> Which as you know, for my technical computer video game girl, like she would love Phineas and Ferb. She would absolutely yeah. know that tune, which, you know, so anyone who's listening, if you have not watched Phineas and Ferb, you <laughs> need to go back They're They're old. They're done. They're gone. They're like my kids watched them when they were babies and they couldn't care less, but my husband and I enjoyed them. <laughs> it's a great show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't do many of them like I don't do the whole the the thing that bothers me is like when there's like oh he looked just like Henry Cavill I'm like no he doesn't first of all and second of all like not everybody knows who Henry Cavill is
0: <laughs> I know I feel like I I feel like Henry Cavill is definitely the the new thing that everybody says everything looks like that and it's kind of like yeah okay <laughs> I
1: have how that inspiration
0: so. yeah Okay. Well, that's good to know.
1: <laughs>
0: so, um, so talking about the characters in this book, what character challenged you the most to write?
1: So in Pixels and Paint, the most yeah. challenging character to write was actually a side character.
0: I was wondering if you were going to say that. I like, hadn't I had a feeling?
1: <laughs> there is a character in this book named Richie. And... He does not talk normally. Okay, he he uses a very specific turn of phrase. In fact, um, the hero describes him as a walking fortune cookie, <laughs> and so he doesn't say anything normally. He's it's and he's he's trying to be very wise and philosophical, and he's missing the mark every time. Every time he says anything. So trying to write him and figure out how to make him say something that sort of fits the conversation, but is also completely in left field was, was a bit of a challenge.
0: Uh, Yeah. To write dialogue at all. And then it's like, and then you got to factor in eccentricities. Yes, I can imagine. Yes.
1: Yes. So he's, he's like thinking he's Yoda or something. I don't know. Um, But (laughs) It, it no it, he he misses the mark and so I couldn't even like be very actually philosophical I needed to be like slightly off yeah so time he was on this page it was like okay what's he gonna say <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you feel like your um your writing process was the same as you with your other books is that not like change for anything you the story comes to you in the same way
1: it was my my process was actually very similar um yeah my my plotting process um such as it is and um you know the the writing process and everything the the biggest change was figuring out um this is the first full length novel that i have done indie mm-hmm. that i've indie so um figuring out how that process fit in in making my own timeline and scheduling editors and doing all that kind of thing was was yeah. the biggest change um because there wasn't somebody else saying what my deadlines were and yeah you know everything was a lot closer together because I wasn't waiting months to get edits back and things. yeah So um that was the biggest change as far as my process is And
0: and now have doing both do you feel like you will do india again like you know is that
1: an option to in the future um, with just where where publishing is um in general yeah. right now um I'm going to say indie. For the time okay. being, um, because just where publishing is and where my numbers were when mm-hmm. um, when I stepped away from Bethany House, um, it's it's at the moment this is the best place for me to be. So I'm absolutely open to that changing in the future, um, but we'll just have to see. Publishing is really, really in flux right now as far as like yeah. trying to figure out the business side of it. Yeah. um nobody's really quite sure what to do with it little thing. so um it's uh it's it's an interesting waters to try to navigate um yeah yeah the, the, boat's, the-, the boat's been rocked there's lots of waves everywhere <laughs> everybody's trying
0: to figure it out right oh yeah. so what do you feel is the key to writing humor so I
1: think the key to writing humor uh, and this is one of those things where because I do write funny books, I write comedy books. Um, and then some people will read them and be like, Well, that wasn't funny. And I'm like, Well, then obviously you don't have my same sense of humor. Yeah. And, but so I do write comedy, I write humor, and a lot of people will then come up when they find out that they'll be like, tell me a joke. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. No, 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 no. I think when you go when it goes to writing humor, um, there's a few things. One is to realize you are not a stand-up comedian, so you're not putting out a whole bunch of Jokes and one jokes. liners, yeah, stuff like that. You know, that's not how that works. However, I do recommend watching stand up comedians because you can learn a lot from them as far as the timing of the funny lines, mm-hmm.
0: but or how they like lead up to it. I, I feel like there's something to watching them, and I'm like, how they craft it in and pull them in. It's like, yeah, it's quite a craft, I mean,
1: but the key to humor is you want you always want to hold up a mirror to the truth, like to the mm-hmm. real world, and then turn it, turn it a little bit. Because what's funny is looking at truth through a si- slightly different lens. Yeah, That's what makes it fun. There's the way people mm-hmm. always see the world. And then there's looking at the same thing, just from a slightly different perspective that lets you see it in a slightly different way. And that's what's funny mm-hmm. is when... You know, you just take it and you just turn it on its head just a little bit, like not completely. If you like, you if you go completely over, that's slapstick, you know. Yeah. And that's that. There's people who find that that's a type of humor, and there's people who love that. Yeah. Um, but if you just want it to be just that that light, funny, continuous yeah. going, it take it and you just turn it slightly sideways, but you have to keep it truth and it's yeah the more truth you're looking at slightly sideways the the funnier it is um which is why i love writing because people are people and they've always been people and that's why i Mm -hmm. I feel like i could write in a lot of different genres because that's what i look at people and the story of people you know yeah um and and people have always been people you know you can find you know, your, we were talking the other day with a friend of mine, um, we were talking about your mama jokes, like oh, they yeah. found them in Roman, like graffiti, like down in Pompeii, like there's your mama jokes on the wall, you know, so that, that is timeless. People have always been joking about that. It's not new. Um, and people are people. um I know so here we, we think that
0: they said that. all these philosophical, philosophical things philosophical things and you know because they can speak latin and greek and it's like no they were telling your mama they were still they
1: were still making your mama jokes (laughs) but you know it's that it's that reality of people when you Mm -hmm. look at the essence of people and you just look at them all just a little bit sideways yeah that's what's um and so when you just make that you just look at the whole story that way, then that's when you get a funny story. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I like that. I like that, that that twist, that weird picture that you did. That was like really cool. Um, so for readers who know, and I feel like this will be a twofold question. For readers that know and love your Regency, what can they look forward to in this book? And what would you say to like new readers that are discovering you through this new genre?
1: Okay. So for Regency readers, I will tell you, first of all, what's different um, because that will, that might jar some people. Um, My contemporaries, I'm writing in first person present. Ah, interesting. My historicals are written in third person past, Mm -hmm. um, but because I wanted to flex a new muscle, I needed just a full break, you know, just to refresh my brain and my creativity. I was like, I'm just gonna go flip it all the way. Um, and it is written in first person present. It is dual POV still. Still, the hero and the heroine both have a POV. Yep. But um, do you know that you're picking up a first person book? <laughs> um, so, because some people that really jars them. They're like, wait a minute, yeah. why? Why is there I in this? <laughs> um. <laughs> But you are still reading a Christian Hunter book. It is still about people. There's the, they're still looking at the eccentricities of people and how they mesh and how they, um, you know, make each other's lives better. Um, You know, you're still looking at how do you navigate this world through the lens of your, your faith in Christ. You know, when you have that faith and that changes how you think and view the world and and what your goals are what does that look like how do you make the decisions how do you form your relationships you know that essence of what a christian hunter story is that's all still there yeah um and so so for my existing readers that are coming off of the regency and being like i don't know all right i'll try it and you're still you're still gonna find what you love about Christian Hunter books? Now, if you yeah, what you love yeah. about Regency books may not be there. There's no carriages. Um, <laughs> there are a couple of pretty dresses.
0: I was gonna say, are they gonna have ball gowns? <laughs> there,
1: there, there's a couple of pretty dresses, and in this one, there are some. There's some fancy dinners and and galas going on, you know. So you you've got some of that. There's uh, even dancing. Um, but um, practically a Regency. You know, that I I did fall back on some of, some of what I know, you know, you, there, yep. there's some of that there, but, um, you know, but the essence of the story is going to be the same. And so I would kind of say, that's the same thing I would say to someone yeah. who's picking this up and going, well, gee, do I try one of these other books, you know, because if you look at Pixels and Paint, you know, it's got that illustrated cover, mm-hmm. it looks like a rom-com, um, but then you go look at my Regencies and they don't look like rom-coms. You know, um, but, you know, to tell them that the essence, that story, if you like that story, you like the pacing, you like how I do characters. You like how I do dialogue that you're still going to get that. Um, And so that's why I'm saying, like, at the beginning, we were talking about, you know, niche, what do you want to be known for? I'd love to be known for how I tell a story. Mm. You know, however you pick it up, whatever else I've done, you know what kind of story you're going to get. That's a good way to put it. Yeah.
0: So, let's talk about the romance in Pixels and Paint. How is that? I'm sure like there's a lot of differences how that would like play out. What was your favorite element of this love story?
1: Yes, so it was very different writing a contemporary romance versus, you know, a historical romance because I did not have the limits that a yeah. Regency has. You know, mm-hmm. um, they can go to each other's houses and spend time alone and nobody thinks anything of it. You know, <laughs> I mean, both of these characters are established. They have careers, um, you know, they're, they have their own homes. And mm. it's like, they're not going to constantly be in public because nobody does that anymore. Yeah. So, you know, scenes where they're in each other's homes. And so that was very different because it was like, is this okay? Can I do this? <laughs> um, but what I loved about this romance that was a little bit easier to show in a contemporary, which was nice. Um, I loved how these two people in essence, neither one of them changed. Like mm-hmm. they grew people, but at the, at the core they stayed who they were and being together and being in each other's lives helped it. What all it did is help them see the walls they had built for themselves. Hmm. They had built, they had each built walls that kind of trapped them into this place where they thought they fit in life. Yeah. And then to be with each other, they had to tear those walls down because they weren't in each other's bubble, you know? And so their lives got better and they grew as people, but in essence, neither one of them changed. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is fabulous because I think that that's what people do. You know, I mean, you're not going to suddenly wake up tomorrow and realize, well, I'm not, I don't know about you. I'm not suddenly going to wake up tomorrow and be like, I love hiking. I want to go live outdoors. No, I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that. You know, but I can learn to appreciate, oh, I need to go out walking more like the health benefits of it. I can learn to expand myself that way, you know? So I, that's what I loved about this romance in particular was for these two in very much in particular, it was not so much about learning, oh, I shouldn't be that way, or I want to change this way, or even I want to grow my faith in this way. It was more yeah. of, wow, I have really built myself into a corner, mm-hmm. um, that. Oh, that's relatable. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so I, I liked that they had to dismantle walls they had built in their own lives, um, in order to be in each other's life. Wow. That is really cool. I like
0: that. So, um, like, what do you feel like, did you feel like this book, taught you anything in the writing process of it like when you were exploring that message exploring the faith thread and what do you hope that readers can take away from this story
1: so I think from a from a faith and personality perspective I mean you always learn you always learn about yourself um, Mm -hmm. your writing because you can't spend that much time trying to delve into these fake people you've made up without um having some realizations of your own yeah and So for myself, it was, um, and a lot of times it's, it's something you've been growing towards to begin with, you know, Mm -hmm. it it kind of underlined and solidified the idea of the value of being myself, no matter where I am. So Emma is the heroine in pixels and paint. And one of the things she has is she has slightly different versions of herself, but she presents depending on who she's with or where she's at. Um, and, and so it's, it's kept most people at a certain distance because they, they can't really get to know her because she's presenting a version of
0: herself.
1: And, um, that is that that's a little autobiographical (laughs) for me. Um, and that that's something I have been over the past few years trying to learn not to do and that's a very very hard um habit to break um yeah
0: because it comes in automatically you don't have to like you do it you do
1: it um you know you do it you you've done it you know without thinking you know for if you do it you do it without thinking uh Mm -hmm. about it um and just kind of walking through this path through a character's eyes and trying to make give her the best life that she could have um that really underscored for me the value of learning how to do it for myself like Mm-mm. you know you want this freedom that you have given this fictional person you have to do the same thing that yeah. you have to do you know you have to do it as well um, it's easy to so, make
0: those it's easy to just make the fictional people do all <laughs> all the
1: growing yes. so it's like you can well you can cuz you can handle how other people react to it you can make them react well or you know, or react, you know, only, only, only so far uh, bad, you know, you can handle how they react to it. Um, in real life, you don't get to make that choice. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's true. Ah, the beauty of fiction. (laughs) So so what's next for your writing plans?
1: So, um, right now I'm actually going back to Regency. Um, you know, the, the idea was to kind of flip back and forth, Mm -hmm. um, to, to keep myself sharp, and and keep it fresh, um, and also yeah. you know, keep people happy because there are lots of people in my Regency world that are still floating around without stories, and um, I, I still want to tell those stories, so yeah, I'm actually going back into the Regency land. Um, um I'm very excited because uh, it's a, a bit of a sidestep, um, up until now. If anyone has read my Regencies, you know that they kind of go. End to end in order, you know, they've kind of yeah. been in a timeline and it's been a fairly main character that has been the, you know, catalyst for the next one. Um, so, but the Regency is only nine years long.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> so, right. Yeah.
1: Nine years and so, you know, I'm running out of time there so i'm actually kind of flipping back uh to to the earlier things and, and kind of going sideways off of a character um that was a very very minor character in a previous book um is going to be connected into this next series but um so i'm going back a little bit earlier i'm going back to london uh kind of going back sort of kind of back to where i started and making sure i remember why i liked writing regency in the first place mm. um and uh i'm excited i'm excited about that which is it's nice i had gotten kind of yeah. in a rut so it's nice yeah. to be excited
0: so the palette cleanser worked
1: it did it did but- i feel like i'm i feel like i'm ready to go back into that world now um and not write the same thing you know mm-hmm. that i had been you know or look at the same thing i feel like i can go and make whatever i want just like i did when i first started writing um i can write whatever story i want to write so i'm very excited about that
0: that's very cool so what are the books that you are like reading when you have reading type right now what's at the top of your tbr pile
1: so i just started um it's a book it's a few years old uh it's called the uh, the nabob's daughter I oh, just, i've seen that. yeah uh, yeah So I had several of my readers and um, followers on Instagram told me I needed to read this book a few years ago and Jess actually even gifted me a copy. And then it just kind of fell off my radar. And I was, you know, looking through some things the other day and I stumbled across it and I was like, clearly forgot about this book. So I actually just started that, which has been great because it's kind of like, okay, getting back into the historical vibe, this Mm is good, getting back into that. So, um, so I just started reading that, um, other than that, um, I am looking at, uh, I'm I'm trying to find some new authors actually, you know, just kind of like trying to expand my world. And there's a couple of, uh, groups that have been forming, um, on, on Facebook and Instagram that are really focused on sharing like clean and sweet romance um, authors and things. So I'm, kind of poking through those posts just looking for something that catches my attention and and trying to find some new people um and and hear some new voices and um just broaden my reading shelf some so that's that's really I'm trying to be very open on my my TBR at the moment oh. not be like hey you're going to read this and then this and then this um so you know I'm just kind of like looking for anything that catches my eye in the moment yeah Right now, yeah, that is that, and that's the beauty of like
0: Instagram. It's like you don't know what you want to read until you go on Instagram.
1: <laughs> yes, it's like I didn't know I wanted hockey, but now I have read this blurb and I want to read about hockey, right? like, I've not thought about hockey in years, but we're going there now, you know. I know, so it's like I, I, I see that trend, and I was
0: kind of like, What's all this about? And then I read one, I'm like, Okay. <laughs> It's all about the characters and the fun though. Like, it's just like, it's, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Try, I, I'm I'm letting myself be a mood reader mm-hmm. um, because that's one of those things. Like, I think I've gotten this idea of that I shouldn't be a mood reader. I should like yeah. have it regimented and I should know what I'm going to read and be looking at these new releases and thinking about what, who's in my genre and stuff. Yeah. And that's one of those things of where one of those walls we build for ourselves with the word should Yep. I should do this I should do this um and so that's one of those things I'm letting go of and going back to when I loved reading was just being a mood reader and reading it as it caught my eye so I'm going back to that so when people are like what's on your TBR I'm like I don't know yet <laughs>
0: it's like there was this one quote <laughs>
1: I don't know. I, I got to go back and look through my saved Instagram posts. <laughs> yeah.
0: My screenshots. I've been doing the thing about doing screenshots. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yes. Freedom to be a mood reader. A great, great inspiration. Um, so where can listeners follow you, stay informed, up to date with everything that's that you're doing and what's going on?
1: So the best place, if you want to stay like on the latest, greatest, like whatever mood I happen to be in is Instagram. Uh, That is socially um, where I hang out the most. Um, If I'm posting anything, I'm posting it there. So find Christiane Hunter on Instagram. Um, I am on most of the other socials as Christiane Hunter. Um, The posting is rather more sporadic. (laughs) And, and, and usually just very much on like, like hey new books out or, Hey, here's some book info. Um, but if you want to actually chat with me, you know, Instagram is the place. Uh, if you are like, I don't do social media. I just want to know what's the latest that's happening. Uh, definitely go to christianehunter.com and sign up for the newsletter. Um, I usually send it out once a month and it's got the latest, um, you know, Info on when books are coming out or when audiobooks become available or different things like that. Um if you're like, I just want to know what's going on, go with the newsletter. That's good.
0: So is um are you is pixels and paint out in audiobook or that's coming?
1: The audiobook, um, I think it's gonna be out in August. They they oh, actually okay. they finished recording. It's an editing right now Ooh. as we record this. Um, it is an editing, so. Um, I don't know when you're gonna air this one, but it's probably be- in
0: August. Yeah.
1: Yes. Wait. So yeah. Um yes. So probably by the time this airs, um, it it'll be close. Oh so okay. I'm super, super excited uh about the people who are recording it and the way it's being recorded. It's being done with dual narrators since mm. it is first person. Yeah, um, wanted hers written read by a lady and his POV read by a guy and they are actually like doing the dialogue in each other so that like his voice stays oh, his voice the whole book. that's I'm awesome so excited to actually listen to this I usually don't listen to my books um but I'm like I've got I'm going to be listening to this one because the little snippets I've heard are so good I'm yeah so it, it is coming out in audiobook and it should be out in August
0: that sounds great. I think that's my, that might be my, if I don't get to it before, then I may do the audiobook Cause that sounds like that would be fantastic. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for being here, giving us all the inside scoop.
1: Thank you for having thank me. You. It's oh, lovely to see you cool. again. Yeah, this is fantastic. I love it. So. So I still you. use words like lovely, the, the Regency love and music. Wow. It was lovely. Um, Lovely. have a few notes my editor going this is an old word <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, it's still there it's still there you know, we,
0: we need to bring back old words <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you once again until next time until next time all right and- it was indeed a lovely time to be with you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And if you're not following Christy, go check out what she has. Love to hear your feedback. I have a Google doc for people who are interested in being on the podcast and all that stuff on my Instagram page at Nicole and the Undending TBR podcast. Love to hear that. If you enjoy the podcast, leave a review. Love to know that this is something that you have enjoyed and love to hear your feedback. Until next time, may your TBR be unending.